So just in the big picture of things, one thing we could say about Paul and Barnabas and the first century church is that, that they really took to heart the last thing that Jesus said. And he said, go, make disciples, baptize, and teach them to obey all, all that I've commanded you. And so that, that's really what we're doing. We're just walking along with Paul and Barnabas as they're commissioned in Antioch and Syria. And then they're on the go into Cyprus and they're making disciples and then they're on the go into Asia Minor, and they end up in Antioch, in Pisidia, and they're making disciples. We have it, the baptism hasn't happened yet in their journey, but that's going to happen. And then they're going to begin a teaching ministry. And as Otto kind of hinted, I, I think it's really important for us uh, that we understand and, and make, and we really understand the difference between a proclamation and a sermon. And that our job is really uh, to go out and announce the good news of Jesus, to announce the good news of his kingdom. And, and as we do that, we invite people to follow Jesus with us. And they follow along with us until the point where they say, you know, I really want to identify with Jesus and the people that are following Jesus, so I want to be baptized. I want to be part of the church. And once that happens... Then you, have, then you have a group of people that you're ready to teach to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And that's where preaching comes in. Preaching is really the admonition. Let's do this. Let's be the people that Jesus wants us to do. So if you can kind of make that, that line of demarcation, it's not a hard, fast line. But, but what we're learning about is we're learning about making an announcement. And we can see our friends Barnabas and Paul, they're doing it with their neighbors and with the nations. I just would remind us they leave Syria, they go to Cyprus. Barnabas was from Cyprus, so now they're visiting his former neighbors in Cyprus. And then they go from Cyprus into Turkey, into Asia Minor. Tarsus is Paul's home, so he's going back to kind of his neighborhood as well. So again, don't make it a bigger than what we can do type of an affair. That's what they're doing. And last week, what we, we ended with, they were in a synagogue, which is where they typically went first. Paul was really uh, convinced that what Jesus told him to do is whenever you visit a city, if there's a Jewish synagogue, go to the Jew first. Go make this announcement with the Jew first. And so that's what they did. And so when they did that, the service ended. Paul and Barnabas were invited back to pro proclaim again the next Sabbath. So the next Saturday, the next week that the synagogue meet, hey, come back. And I, and I don't, maybe it's just silly, but usually, you know, if you make an announcement and people really like it, they'll ask you to come back the next week. If you make an announcement and people don't like it, they're probably not going to ask you to come back the next week. So it just tells me, you know, some, some, that people in Antioch are hearing something that sounded really good. So why don't you come on back next week and tell us more? And then it, not only that, as the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts to Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas. And they urged them in long conversations to stick with what they'd started, this living in and by God's grace. And again, that just is this, okay... If you leave a meeting, you're invited to come back next week, and all through the, the week, people are coming to you, and you're having long conversations with them about something new. That's telling me, hey, something really good is going on here. 
And that's something I just really want for our, our community. As we go out sowing seeds, as we go out to announce the good news of Jesus, I mean, I'm hoping people will say, hey, come on back next week. I'm hoping that, it, it, hey, could we get coffee this week? And maybe we could have a long conversation. And I think it's really important as a group of people following Jesus in a local, it's really, really important that we continue to do those things. If we stop doing those things, it, we lose something about this faith that has been given to us. Now, as I read, are, are you a little curious as like what happened the next week when they came back? Well, what happened? Well, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them proclaim the word of the Lord. Now, think about that. I looked and I looked and I looked, and those of you that are they're better researchers, more patient than I, I don't, I don't know what the population of Antioch and Pisidia was in the first century. I looked, I couldn't find it. Google failed. Does Google ever, does it ever fail? It failed. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't even venture. Antioch in Syria was the third largest metropolitan area in the world, but I don't know how large... Antioch and Pisidia was. So somebody tell us that. But regardless, can you imagine the buzz around the city that week was, hey, we heard this announcement by these two guys that are visiting from Syria, and it is a wonderful announcement. And the, um, almost the entire city shows up. Now that's the amphitheater of Antioch and Pisidia that still remains. My guess is they couldn't all fit in the synagogue. And I'm going to guess, they said, well, why don't we just kind of go over to the amphitheater? That's my guess. Nothing says that. And so I'm just, I'm envisioning that whole amphitheater is full of people. And they said, well, here's old Paul and Barnabas. They want to make an announcement again. That, that intrigues me. Once they made that announcement, some rejected the, the proclamation. Not everybody bought into it. Uh, some rejected. Others gratefully received the proclamation. And then Paul and Barnabas moved on to Iconium. Now that's the skinny. And it's because when I read the passage, there's going to be two verses in this passage that are really difficult. And if I could avoid trying to teach about them today, I would. But it's unavoidable because when I read this passage, you're going to have questions, just like I did. Or would you, be, would you just like to, I mean, is that a good, you want to, we could wrap it up now and go home. Would you like to do that? <laughs> Darn. Acts 13, 44 to 52. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them proclaim the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they, they were jealous So they slandered Paul, and they argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. 
And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection, and they went on to the town of Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, as I read that, and maybe you did too, it's kind of like, I wait, wait a minute. What do you mean by, you know, those that rejected the proclamation, but since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life? What in the world does that mean? And then those who received the proclamation, all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. That's those kinds of phrases that kind of stop me in the track. And then it makes me wish, oh man, I wish I had something else to do on Sunday morning sometime. Because this is these aren't easy, and I'm going to mess with something that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily like messing with. But I think at times it's really important that we kind of erase what we have heard and insert something new. So let me start with eternal life. In the lexicon, the lexicon is a, it's a Greek dictionary, but it bases not only definition of word, but usage of word. Eternal life in the kingdom of God. So it connects the concept of eternal life with the kingdom of God. Now the example, one of the examples that is given, do you remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Do you remember that story? And then at the end of that story, that he, he walks away sad because he can't do one of the things that Jesus asks him to do. I mean, basically what Jesus says to him is, your, your wealth is going to distract you from my kingdom. Jesus did not tell every rich person on the planet to give everything to the poor and follow him. But for whatever reason, this, he just knew that this young, rich man was not going to be able to let go of his riches and follow him. So for him, it, hey, your wealth is going to be a distraction. So give it, give it away and, and follow me. He couldn't do that. And so Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, wait, 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 wait. He wasn't asking about entering the kingdom of God. He was asking about inheriting eternal life. Guess what? Inheriting eternal life and entering the kingdom of God in the mind of those that were listening to Jesus and in Jesus' mind are the same thing. If you follow along, eternal becomes a term for the object of eschatological expectation. I love throwing that word in this. I mean, there, there's these hopes. We have these hopes about the, what's the end of the story? What's the, what, what's, how is planet Earth going to end? And again, some of us, we've just been so programmed to think, well, it's all going to burn up. And I, wait a minute. That is one interpretation. Unfortunately, it's become the popular interpretation. But that's not the, that was not the interpretation of this rich young man or Jesus. What they were looking for, God's going to show up. 
We know that we live in this present age and we know that evil is really, really strong, but we know that God is going to show up with His rule and God is going to set everything right on planet Earth. That's our expectation. That's what we're hoping for in the future. So eternal can be, it's used as this term of eschatological expectation. And Jesus says, hey, talking about the future judgment, come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. What is our inheritance? The kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. So there is, there's a connection. Eternal life to the Jew at the time that Jesus is teaching is not someplace else and it's not this time after death. It's about something that happens in this life. Eternal can be more than unlimited time without beginning or end. Eternity can mean transcending time. So that means eternity rising above time. It, there, is, there is within understanding eternity, the, an, it, it, it's not just about time. So what I would like to suggest is when Jesus is talking about eternal life, and then Paul is talking, what, what they're talking about is it's, there, there's something in this present age that, that transcends, that rises above that you and I are being invited into our inheritance, which is later, but it can begin now. So the life of the age to come, that's the kingdom of God, rises above, transcends this present age, so that you and I, in saying yes to Jesus and following him, we then become people of two ages. We're still here, this present age, but at the same time, we're beginning to experience the age to come. I'd like to suggest to you that that's what those that rejected the proclamation, because the proclamation was, hey, Jesus is the king. Hey, he's the one that's going to begin to set things right on the planet. Hey, in him, that the kingdom of God's going to arrive because he's the king. They're, now, so they're rejecting that, saying, no, he can't be the one. And the kingdom of God can't be arriving in this way. And so when they are not fit for eternal life, it's that they're not fit to welcome what God really wants to do on the planet in their day. Then that's the other concept. Well, we can call out, call out to Tom Wright. He helps. Help! Tom Wright, help! Nobody. Nobody thinking within the framework of thought, which this phrase... Eternal life reflects, imagined that this age would be eternal in our sense, timeless, spaceless, matterless. It'll be a whole new period of history when everything will be put right at last. Then we'll go on. What did they mean? Hey, you're not, you're not worthy, you're not fit for life in the kingdom. You've rejected it. You've rejected the proclamation. You've rejected the king. You've rejected the kingdom of God as it's coming. And you've judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. So first thing would be, it's, it's usually not a good thing to judge yourself. I mean, that's, that's a setup. 
if I'm judging myself or I'm judging you, usually I'm off. So really, let's leave judging up to God. But what, again, within the Jewish mindset, they're judging themselves totally based on merit. And that is going, that's going contrary, again, to what Jesus is introducing to the planet a man is worthy of the gospel of Christ, or, or, or uh, humanity is worthy of this invitation into the kingdom as and because he receives it. All thought of merit is excluded by nature of the gospel. I can't earn the kingdom. All I can do is receive what he wants to give to me. Its motivating power lies only in the preceding action of God, which alone determines its content and thus distinguishes it from all legalism. See, again, within the synagogue, it was about, okay, we do X, Y, and Z, and we keep doing X, Y, and Z, and we add A, B, and C, and as long as we are keeping a good record, or we're keeping up with the laws, then we will be fit for the coming of the king and the kingdom. And Jesus comes along and says, that's not the way it works. I mean, you're going to really wear yourself out. So let's do this. Let me do it for you. And then why don't you receive what I've done for you? And that'll be your ticket, your entrance into the kingdom. We are fit for life in the kingdom by trust in what Jesus has done for us, not trust and what we can do to earn a place. And then who decides? Did you pick up all who were chosen for eternal life became believers? Oh, wait a minute. God is the one who orders or appoints, though only in the passive in the New Testament. Think about that for a minute. See, if God was the one, I'm going to appoint you, and I'm going to appoint you, and I'm not going to appoint you, then that's action. That's activity. But the New Testament never describes God as the active one in determining your destiny. God has a passive place in that. So it's a little bit more intriguing, isn't it? Notice, for example, with no mention of God in Acts, God has arranged the commission which results in Paul from his experience on the Damascus Road. If you go back and read that story, God is, God, God is behind the scenes. So God is arranging the events that result in Jesus showing up, talking with Paul, that result in the commissioning of Paul, but God's behind the scene. He's taking a a passive position in calling Paul to do what we're reading about. And Paul is the one deciding, oh, wait, this is real. (laughs) Whoa, he, whoo, Jesus is alive. And wow, he, wow. I don't want to be blind for the rest of my life, so I'm going to say, yes, I will be a chosen instrument for you, and I'll do whatever you want. So he's active in making those decisions. 
The idea that God's will to save is accomplished in Christians with their conversion is obviously not connected with the thought of predestination. That is about the verses that we're, that we're talking about. So we're not talking about God determining each of our places in eternity. We're talking about a God who's working behind the scenes, who wants everybody to have the opportunity to hear this proclamation and make their own decision. Will I reject this or will I receive this? God works behind the scenes, arranging opportunities for humanity to hear this invitation. The determination is all who receive his invitation by faith enter his kingdom. This is one of the reasons why it's important for us to go out and continue to give the proclamation to our neighbors. Believe me, God is already there arranging things for you and I to go and make that proclamation. He just wants us to show up. We've got to choose to show up. And there's going to be people that respond to the invitation of his proclamation because he's been there busy before we ever got there. But he's hidden. Wow. The gospel doesn't leave things intact. At the end of this first missionary visit, we have three distinct groups. The angry and aggressive people who don't want to know the joyful, spirit-filled local people who had believed the message and the two apostles escaping persecution and scurrying on to the next town. We'll let them go on to Iconium. We'll join them in a couple of weeks. But for this week, for our community, this is what I would like to encourage us in. Friends, we really want to receive and believe the proclamation of the King in his kingdom. Jesus made it known by visiting the planet that he is the king, the one that was promised, the one that would come, the one that would begin to set things right on the earth among all of humanity. We must believe that's what he wants to do. And he does that through his kingdom. That is his rule. That's the way he goes about doing things with dignity and power on the earth. So we want to receive, and we really want to believe that that proclamation made through the Gospels, repeated by the apostles, that, yeah, we want to believe, this is what we, this, we want to believe this. And then we, we want to judge ourselves fit for the kingdom of God, not because of our merit, not because we've created a whole new set of rules and regulations and you know, as long as I do those things, then I'm worthy uh, to be considered a, you know, a kingdom person. No. You know, we, we really want to recognize that the only way for us to be fit for the life of the kingdom that begins now is, is by faith. We're, we're going to trust that Jesus has done everything for us that needs to be done. As long as our, as our trust is in Jesus, what he's accomplished, then we can enter into this kingdom life. And, and it's, we're acceptable. It's not like we have to become acceptable. And then the last thing is we really want to partner with God to proclaim his message to our generation. He is busy 
right now, arranging opportunities with our neighbors and the nations. He, he's, he's, he's active in that sense. And he's wanting us now to join him. Come on. Come on out into the neighborhoods. Come on out to the nations. Announce me. Announce my kingdom. And so let's actively look for those opportunities and actively proclaim the good news of the kingdom with its invitation. Come on. Come follow Jesus with me. Come follow Jesus and let's see what can happen in our generation that will be of benefit to all of humanity. See, this invitation is about, it's about the here and now. It's not about later someplace else. It's about the quality of life that you and I can enjoy now and share with all of humanity. And man, see, that's why Paul and Barnabas, and the rest, they, they turned the world upside down because they actually believed that the king had come the one that would begin to set everything right on, in a world that things go horribly wrong in. And they proclaim, they announce, they believe that. And they've really invited us to be that kind of believer, that kind of follower in our generation. What, what would it be like if you and I really together wholeheartedly believe Jesus will make a difference in the things that have gone horribly wrong on our planet today? I mean, several of you posted the horror of human trafficking at the Super Bowl today. Okay. Do we just have to say, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way, that's just the way it goes. You know, someday, someday, you know, we'll be elsewhere and, you know, there'll be a, I don't know if there'll be a Super Bowl there. But, you know, that stuff won't happen. Well, do we, are we supposed to do anything about that today? I mean, is the church in New Jersey, like, incensed and up, you know, hey, when that's not going to happen in our neighborhood. See, we're really called. Hey, no. We want to see those things end in human history. We want to be part of that. And if it doesn't end, man, I want to give everything I've got to make sure I put my, my, whatever my part is in seeing those things end. I want to do it. Does that make sense? What's radical about following Jesus is not about later. It's about now. It's about believing what he announced to us and acting on it now. So would you like to stand with me? Jesus, we want to be a community that is fit for kingdom life. We want to be a community that as we gather together, whether it's a big group on a Sunday morning or it's small groups throughout the week, we want the life of your kingdom. 
the life of a kingdom that sets things right in us, between us and on the planet. We, we really want that to be activated by the Holy Spirit. We want to be a people that go out and make announcement. Hey, there's a new king. Hey, there's a kingdom. Hey, things that are wrong on the planet are going to be set right because the king has shown up. And we're the people that belong to that king. And we're going to get our hands dirty. And we're going to see a, we're going to see a new day on the planet. And so, Jesus, I know that we can't do that without believing in what you have delivered to us. You are the king. We believe you are the king. We believe that your kingdom is arriving. And we believe that we enter your kingdom by trust in you. And we ask that you would empower us to be people of two kingdoms, two ages. People that live, yeah, in the here and the now, but people that can transcend the here and the now with the resources of the age to come. Or we want you to do something radically different in our generation. We ask you to do that through us. To be a people that are committed to not settling for the status quo, but wanting to see things set right because of you and your kingdom. Empower us, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.